You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Please take your seat. And uh, that truism, the power in the name of Jesus, I guess is where we hope to end today. Uh, I don't know how many of you are aware of the difficulty uh, the church is having right now in the, the nation of Australia. Uh, it's very much losing its moral authority. Uh, there are uh, a bunch of people, I guess, and, and uh, who are trying to undermine it. And of course, very much, you know, through royal commissions and, and frailties of, of human nature and cover-ups, uh, the church to some degree has, you know, it's, it's, uh, has to take some responsibility f- for this. And, and to add it to this, um, popular culture is redefining words. Um, uh, to make a social observation, but one of the, one of the uh, apexes of morality, the apex arguably morality in Australia today is defined perhaps in the word tolerant. And, and tolerant has become to mean something uh, in our culture that I don't even really like the word anymore. <laughs> you know, once upon a time, the concept of tolerance was that you, you know, you'd, you'd love people. But now it's kind of the concept of tolerance is you turn your back on what's wrong. Uh, it seems to have changed what it actually means. And, uh, and the, the, the result of that is this, is that the church that historically has had a uh, an effect on society to bring a moral message. We've been a moralizing force in the community. We are now considered to be immoral. And I'll explain why we are considered to be immoral. Because we are discriminatory. Um, we choose. We choose right over wrong. <laughs> we have, a, we have a, the concept of choice in our, in our framework of belief. And to those, um, you know... Uh, yeah, prophets of modern uh, of modernity, if you will, the concept of of that is is immoral. To discriminate is immoral, and therefore we have become purveyors of immorality. And uh, that would shock some of you, I would imagine, to think that you are a purveyor of immorality, because most of you would think that you are a force for morality. But that's the subtlety that's going on right now the cultural moorings of the society that you and I are a part of. Now, you say, that's depressing. <laughs> and, uh, and part of it, actually, there's a great opportunity in this where I'm going to land. But part of this, and this is, I guess, what I want to address this morning. Part of this has been a Christianity, a, uh, a sense of faith that has been devoid of a, an overwhelming sense of power, see? So people have been able to ignore the church. People have been able to deride Christians and, and even find some validity in doing so because of a powerlessness that has existed. Now, I want to address this powerlessness in, in, the, in the life of a Christian this morning because, you know, people think, well, do you have to belong to church to be a Christian? You know, people are still interested in spiritual things. As a matter of fact, surveys tell us that, that young people are more interested in spiritual things now than they've ever been, that they're turning their back, if you will, on, on secularism, and they're now looking for, for something deeper, something greater. There, there, there is a spiritual journey out there. Uh, but I don't buy the church thing. You know, I don't want this formal religion. I, I don't see the church as, uh, as a, uh, a bastion of the morality that I want to embrace. Uh, and part of the reason for that, I, I suggest, and I'll just put it out there, has been a Christianity without power. 
and, and, it's, and it's, it's not hard to do. Um, it's not hard to get hurt and get you know, distracted and, and get filled with all kinds of priorities and desires that, 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 um, that suck the power out of our Christianity and the church is being painted over by inferior man. And the result is what we have in our society today. This, this morning, um, I want to drop into a, a, one of the most profound little moments in the, uh, in the life of Peter, James, and John that changed them forever. And the, the reason we're going to do this is because I want to find something in this story that's going to change me. And I hope my prayer is that there's going to be something in this story that will change you. It's a profound story. It's an amazing story. You've heard, I guess, of the, uh, of the story of Mount Transfiguration, right? Where uh, uh, they, were, uh, they saw Jesus transfigured. We're going to get the story in a moment, but they themselves were transformed. The Mount, the Mount of Transfiguration was a place of transformation for Peter, James, and John. And this morning, I hope it's a place of transformation for you. Why don't we go there together in Luke chapter 9? In Luke chapter 9. And hopefully you won't be the same again after we discover some of the incredible reality of this little incident with Peter, James, and John. It says this, and this is interesting, it says, about eight days after Jesus said this, what's so profound about that little, those few words, about eight days after Jesus said this, is because Luke never says that again or before. Luke never links two ideas together. All of Luke's writings are random incidences. This happened, and then this happened, this happened, this happened. This is the first time Luke says this. He links two experiences, two incidences together. Don't lose this. This is actually important. He took Peter, James, and John, and they went to the mountain to pray. Now, what is he linking together? I, I, I do need to let you in on this because you're thinking, okay, well, what, what just happened, right? After, how many, after so many days, this, but what happened before that? What was that, that that led to this? Is the question in your head, right? Yeah, yeah, good, good. I hope it is. <laughs> I'm trying to get it in there. <laughs> I'll now answer the question for you. Um, uh, the, the, just before this, Peter has this great revelation, right? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus reveals himself as the son of man. And so what we would define has just happened is that Peter has established right belief. Uh-huh. Correct doctrine. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. I said a minute ago that, that, that uh, tolerance has become the apex of Australian morality. Well, you are the Christ, the son of the living God is the apex of Christian theology, right? He is the Christ, the son of the living God. Right? There's nothing higher. There's, there's, there's nothing more profound than that. And so, uh, so the, 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 the absolute bedrock of belief has been established by Peter's revelation. And Jesus says, you know, God has revealed this to you. You didn't stumble across this yourself. God has spoken to you. And, and it's on what, what after the, those little words, after those many days, what that's saying to us is that what's about to happen can only happen when you have right belief, right? When truth is established. And these three men are about to have a life-transforming 
experience that I'm going to try to take us all together with them this morning. So, you know, try to stay tuned because we're going to hit on some, some things that might indeed change who you are. It says in this, as he was appearing, the appearance of his face changed. and His clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. My goodness, just like you see up there. Now, uh, how many know, I don't know how many have ever been close to a lightning strike. But just so that you've got some idea of, of uh, lightning can kill you. If you get struck by lightning, of course, it can kill you. They say something like one billion volts of electricity uh, are in a lightning strike. Uh, this isn't Omo kind of white, you know. Jesus' clothes didn't turn Omo white, right? There's, there's Jesus' clothes. This is something, there is an outflashing of power in this moment. That is that arguably has never been experienced on planet Earth before. This is a this is a a a, a moment of the glory of God being manifest before man. Peter, James, and John watched Jesus turn from a mortal human into somebody who was radiating lightning. Right? This is a moment, right? This is a holy moment in human time. Nobody's seen this before. Arguably, nobody's seen it since. This is remarkable. And it says this. It says, um, uh, the two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. So you've got Jesus, the son of the living God. You've got Moses and Elijah, two luminaries in the pantheon of, of Jewish history. And they spoke about his departure, which, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. Peter uh, and his companions were very sleepy. <laughs> I love that. Like some of you here this morning, <laughs> very sleepy. <laughs> Come to church for a little nap, you know. <laughs> They're very sleepy. You know what I love about this? You, you, you got to get this, right? You can believe the right things be in a divinely inspired moment and be so bored you're falling asleep. <laughs> Talk about powerless Christianity. But you can be in a divinely inspired moment, right? And you, what you believe is right and you're like this. How much longer? I'm a bit bored, really. You know? I think I'll just have a little nod off. <laughs> they were sleepy. <laughs> My goodness. Who would trade places? I mean, who wouldn't want to be there? <laughs> who would not want to experience this? Right. Who would go without food and, and sleep and sacrifice just to have what these boys have got? And yet they're half asleep. Don't the person beside say, wake up. <laughs> Don't be asleep. <laughs> it says they saw his glory. And the two men standing there. I'm going to talk about this for a bit because this is, I think this is just so applicable. This is so important. You know, there are Christians who live with, with the kind of notion that says, I know God's forgiven me, but I just can't forgive myself. You know, I, I, I just, uh, they live with this, this, this lack of confidence, this lack of, I guess you might define it as, as self-esteem or, or, or low self-image. 
You know there's a difference between a religious person and, 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 a, and a believer and somebody who follows, who knows Jesus Christ. You can have the knowledge of God, but you cannot know God. You can, you can have all the understanding of the Bible and still be asleep in a divinely inspired moment. And one day, you wake up and all of a sudden, everything's different. Have you ever had a dream, and, and, but you didn't know you were dreaming? <laughs> Have you ever had a dream and you thought it was reality? Yeah? I was having one last night, and then in the middle of it, my wife woke me up. <laughs> oh, man, where are you, Colin? You were in my dream last night. It's weird, I know. Why was I dreaming about you? I have no idea, but you are in my dream. <laughs> it's weird. You're living in a house up a hill, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Don't take it personally, but... Uh, <laughs> And then my wife got up. She was not feeling well, you know, and, and it was cold. Don't you hate this? So she comes back to bed. So I need to get warm. So I'll wake him up. <laughs> I just get some warmth, you know, I just cuddle in him so I get warm. I'm thinking, oh, I'm sleeping. <laughs> I'm dreaming about Colin. And now I'm going <laughs> to get back to sleep. <laughs> and the thing is, the thing is, when, when you're asleep, right, you don't know you're asleep. The reality of that world, have you, don't put your hands, oh, who's, ever had a, who's ever had a dream that they were falling, right? Or that something bad was happened and, and all of a sudden you woke up and you, oh, 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 and you had sweat. Hands up if you had that, yeah, 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 just about everybody, right? So you know what I'm talking about. Here's my point, here's my point. You think you're living in reality. Then one moment you wake up and a more weighty reality takes over and you don't fear anymore. Did you get that? A more weighty reality takes over. You thought you were experiencing reality, but you were in a dreamland, right? And so this happened to some of you last night. You've forgotten about it because while you were there, it was real serious. While you were there, the bear was about to eat you, right? While you were there, you're going to fall over the cliff. While you were there, they were going to shoot you. And oh my goodness, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And oof, you wake up and oh, it's just a dream. Oh, it's nothing. It doesn't affect me. I just forget about it. And a more weighty reality takes over in your heart. Is that right? Okay, now here's the thing. This word glory that, that we just read, you know what the word glory means? Doc said means weight. You know why you worry? Because you put more weight in your circumstances than in the wisdom of God. It is more real to you than God is. That's why you worry. Have you ever had a, a situation where you're thinking, oh, I don't know what to do, you know? Should I watch Channel 7 or Channel 9? You know? <laughs> I don't know what to wear. Should I wear my blue or my, my you know, like, you know, I don't know what to do. Should I eat here or should I eat there? Then all of a sudden you get a phone call and all of a sudden a real issue is on the other end of the phone and you completely forget about it. You just put your pants on and go. You know what I mean? You don't even worry about what color they are. You, know? you just get the food and get out of there. All of a sudden it doesn't matter anymore because you've been hit with a greater issue. Something weightier has come into your mind and all of a sudden you completely forgot what you were just you know in a quandary over a moment ago because something of greater weight has displaced it these boys 
something of greater weight was about to displace their reality. They, they were just about to come into a greater reality. Wake up, if you will, and then all of a sudden, you know, what, they, what discouraged them doesn't discourage them anymore. What upset them doesn't upset them anymore. What causes them grief doesn't cause them grief anymore. Because they start to worship. Let me define worship for you, folks. Worship is not singing. As was said earlier, worship is not reading your Bible. Worship is not praying. All those things are included in in your life of worship. But worship is when the things that you believe become your reality. That's worship. When the things that you believe, you wake up and you start to realize, this is who I am. This becomes my experience. When your beliefs about God become your experience in your daily activities. No, thanks, Tim. Tim enjoyed that. The rest of you are asleep. <laughs> Come on, get a little bit excited. I preached, I preached, this, I preached in this church last Sunday, and, uh, you know, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of, and no aspersions, but there was a lot of darker colored skin in, in the room. <laughs> yeah, amen, sister. <laughs> I've got to tell you, I never preached so well in all my life. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm coming up with stuff while I'm preaching I didn't know I had in me. And I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> I say, oh man, that's a great sermon we've ever heard. I'm thinking, yeah, I think it was. <laughs> I want a tape of it so I can write it down. I've forgotten some of the stuff I said. <laughs> this is true. This is true. It's actually true. Because <laughs> they drew it out of me. So come on, get to work. <laughs> They'll draw it out of me. It's in here, folks. I'm telling you, it's in here. So I'm not going to wake up a little bit. Anyway, the difference between a religious person and somebody who follows Jesus is someone to whom truth has become real. These are not just beliefs. These are not just ethereal concepts. And I'm all about, by the way, I'm all about rational thinking. I'm all about having, having reasons for faith. We love to talk about reasons for faith. But I reckon we live unadventurous lives. Fearful if we give, we'll, we'll you know, be without. Fearful if I get involved, then I might get hurt. Fearful that if I give this over, then I'm going to have a lack and I won't have enough time or I won't have enough resources. I don't share Jesus. Fearful I might be rejected. And then one day I wake up and I see the reality of Christ in me. It's so profound. It's so powerful. And all of a sudden, I'm putting weight not in this experience of sleep, if you will. Now I'm putting weight in this experience of the glory of the existence of the reality of who God is in my life. And this is what's happening in these boys. They're going, wow, we've seen something here. Have you ever, ever um, heard of a, a person grow up in a Christian home and they go to church and go to Sunday school and you know, get all the stuff, but then they grow up and they leave and, they, and then one day they come back and they say, you know, I've known this all my life, but finally it's become real. And, and the truth is, folks, you can know, you, you, can, you can have right belief, but still be asleep at the wheel of your life and have, have all, all of the things affecting you, the weightiness of it in the wrong places. And listen to this. This is powerful. It says, as the men were leaving Jesus, um, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Um, he made a mistake that so many make. Um, Moses and Elijah, great men, no, no, doubt, no doubt, great men. Elijah, the great prophet. Moses, the great deliverer, great leader of the nation of Israel. 
significant individuals in the history of that nation of that is without our argument um, but Peter made the mistake which is so so made in our culture today that Jesus is one amongst others that Jesus is is a great teacher you know listen to this Jesus is not if you think Jesus is an inspiration he's only an inspiration till you think about it for a while then it actually will depress you <laughs> things like this turn the other cheek oh so inspirational you know forgive others as I have forgiven you oh it's wonderful it's wonderful yeah so inspiring it inspires me while I'm here then I go out and I've got to face these morons I've got to work with right you know what I'm saying then I gotta live with my family, you know? Oh my gosh, how can I forgive them? How can I turn the other cheek? It's actually depressing. <laughs> Never fall into the mistake of thinking Jesus is inspirational. Don't be inspired by Jesus, okay? Don't be inspired by him. It's dangerous. <laughs> you think, oh wow, yeah, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. Yeah, all the best with that. <laughs> see how see how long you go with that. It's great to be inspired by Jesus for a little bit, but then you end up being depressed because Jesus didn't come to inspire us he came to transform us right it's dangerous to see Jesus as one of the great inspirational voices you know Charles Dickens and you know, Mahatma Gandhi you know and Jesus Christ he no inspirational uh, teacher my friend he's a depressing teacher if you just think it you know you take what he had to say and you just think well I'm going to try to do that you can't do that and neither can I but we we fall in a trap that Peter's falling into here and we think oh Jesus I'm so inspired you know sometimes I read Charles Dickens you know sometimes I I, I read Confucius sometimes I read Jesus it inspires me yeah it does and then it depresses you <laughs> while he was speaking so Jesus I should say Peter is speaking right midstream Jesus speaking a cloud covers them they were afraid I got I understand why they were afraid right last time someone went up to a mountain Moses there was a cloud there anybody who touched the mountain would die I understand them being afraid <laughs> these are Jewish boys they know Jewish history <laughs> I get the fact that they were afraid, right? The pillar of cloud when it was high in the sky, that was okay, but not when it came down on the mountain, then it would kill you. <laughs> and so there's this pillar of cloud there. Ah, uh, yeah, they were afraid, all right. They knew this could be curtains for them. <laughs> As they entered the cloud, a voice from the cloud saying, this is my son. Now, if God was, you know, God's not Australian because he would have said, shut up, Peter, but he didn't. <laughs> right because it's while Peter was speaking he didn't wait for Peter to finish he didn't wait for Peter's sentence to end it's kind of like let's catch this thought midstream because this boy's way off track why Peter was speaking this cloud appears and says this is my son uh, hear him this is my son hear him when the voice had spoken they found Jesus was alone the disciples kept this to themselves they did not tell anybody uh uh, did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. All right, real quickly, because we've only got a few minutes, I want to tell you two things you've got to get and two things you've got to do, right? That out of that little story that will help transform your life as it transformed the life of Peter, um, James, and John, right? You might like to write these down because otherwise you'll forget them, okay? Two things you've got to know and two things you've got to do. First, two things you've got to know. First one's pretty obvious. That's the greatness of who Jesus is. Um, he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, um, 
One of the great uh, authors says this, how can you live with the terrifying thought that the hurricane has become a human, that the fire has become flesh, life itself has walked, walked in our midst. Christianity uh, either means that or it means nothing. It is the most devastating reality or it's nonsense. <laughs> it's either everything or nothing. It's, it's either, either, the, either the fire has become flesh, right? Either life and death manifest here in human form or forget it, folks. You and I, we are wasting our time. Jesus never claimed to be a great man. He never claimed to be an inspiration. Uh, Luke claimed, Jesus claimed, the Bible claims he is the son of God. It's either an absolute sham or it is the ultimate reality that we have to wake up to, right? Don't make the mistake of seeing him as one of the great teachers or one of the giants in human history. Um, society doesn't want to say this. Society doesn't want to say Jesus was a complete farce. It doesn't want to say that Jesus was, a, was an evil tyrant. Um, it just says, oh, well, Jesus was a nice you know, voice amongst all the others of human history. It, it, it doesn't want to draw the conclusion. The truth is you have to draw the conclusion because he never said he was nice. He said he was the son of God. So he's either a liar and a deceiver or he is. There's no middle ground with Jesus. It is indeed as simple as this. You have to see the greatness of God. And you have to see the glory of God. Now, the average person believes the main problem in society is injustice. That's, that's the great ill. We've got to deal with injustice in society. And the, these disciples thought the same thing. They thought injustice, Rome is unjust. And so they were looking for a deliverer who would be just, and you need a strong man who can take the unjust and make them just. But that was never the issue. The issue is never injustice, you see. The issue is ultimately alienation from God. And so Jesus didn't come to right the injustice. He came to reconcile the man. See, we want to right injustice with all kinds of causes and all kinds of institutions and people trying to right injustice. The injustice is not the issue. Alienation from God is the issue. And Jesus knew the only way to solve that issue was not to rise up in power, but was to kneel down, if you will, in humility. Jesus' glory was gained in dying. You see, if you see Jesus' life as an inspiration to forgive, I'm going to forgive as Jesus forgave. You'll finish up frustrated, angry, and bitter. Don't see Jesus' life as an inspiration. See it as a mission to you. He has forgiven me. He has forgiven me. If you get the revelation that he has forgiven you, that won't inspire you to live. That will draw you to worship. Stop being inspired by this. Start embracing it into your life as the reality for you. The greatness of God in his power, but the glory of God in his humiliation as he died for us. And you say to me, okay, I, I understand that. I buy those two concepts. I appreciate that. But what do I do? Let me give you two things that you can do that come out of the text. So when you leave here today and you walk through this week, you'll have something practical to apply 
and being in church on Sunday morning. This is what you do. Can I encourage you today to stop seeking after God? Don't seek, stop this notion of seeking God. Get rid of the notion of seeking God and do what these, these boys did. They didn't seek after God, they responded to God right there's a huge difference there seeking after God the idea that God is hidden from me where are you God where are you God I'm telling you God has sought after you for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to seek after you you don't have to seek after God God has sought after you what you have to learn to do is to respond to God don't seek God respond to him now let me give you some help in how you can respond to God in the correct and right way uh, I'm going to piggyback on the um, on the, the, the writings of Eugene Peterson here who says answering God don't seek God respond to God who speaks to us if you seek God and responding to him you are worshiping him he writes this and I'll just simply quote he says to pray the Psalms How do I respond to God? I get the book of Psalms and I speak the Psalms to God. And this is why his observation is is incredible. He said, the Psalms set their face against the lush eroticism, uh, the rank jungle growth of desire-seeking fulfillment. You can tell that that I didn't write that, can't you? (laughs) Wow. Want me to say that again? (laughs) I love them words. (laughs) The Psalms set their face against the lush eroticism, the rank jungle growth of desire seeking fulfillment uh, in a world of prayers that indulge the religious ego <laughs> and cultivate passion and desire. The Psalms stand out as a kind of angular austerity. Write that down, go home, look that up. Angular austerity. <laughs> I know some of you are going, what is he saying? I'll, I'll explain it all in a minute, but this is great. <laughs> Their prayers don't seek God. They respond to the God who seeks us. That's great. You can go home and read that for yourself and then get your dictionary out if you like. Basically, all he's saying is there's a difference between praying to an unknown God that I'm trying to discover and responding to the God who sought after me through Jesus Christ. And God, I'm responding to you. God, I'm coming to you for you came to me. And, and, and Peterson's encouraging us and I'm piggybacking on that saying, this is a great idea, Eugene. Just get the Psalms and say, I'm going to respond. Because it takes all of the, as he puts it out there, the religious ego, the cultivating of, of our own desires and, and stuff, which is what constitutes 85% of the prayers I hear. <laughs> Maybe 90% of the prayers I pray. (laughs) And and I'm realizing, you know, a lot of my prayer is this, oh God, you know, God, are you there? God, what's going on? And I'm seeking a God who's already sought me. And what what he's saying is, hey, learn the pattern of prayer by praying the Psalms. Respond to God. God spoke to these boys and these boys responded to God. You want to have your transfigure, respond to what God is saying to you because he is speaking. And my last thought, if you will, is don't keep your experience to yourself. Peter, James and John would have spoken about this for days amongst themselves. So they didn't share it for a while, but they would have come down up that mountain and you would have 
be absolutely assured that they were talking about this and that. What did you hear? It was amazing. Did you see that? And this and that, and this and that. And here's the thing. I guarantee you, because you do a bit of study, you see the personality differences. I guarantee you that Peter would have seen things that John didn't see. And that John would have seen things that Peter didn't see. That James would have beheld things that the other two just missed in the awe of the moment. But they shared their experience with one another. And I just bring you again, as you know, Kayla, I think, mentioned earlier, you know, she just got involved in a life group and how it's helped form in her spiritual journey. And, and just to take that thought and say, hey, this is, this is so important, folks. Because as God reveals himself to you, you'll get a revelation of God that's slightly different. Maybe to the revelation I've got, but as I share to you how God has impacted my life, and as you share with me how God has impacted your life, I grow and you grow, and then this, this one brother shares, and this, that one shares, and all of a sudden we're, we are growing. We are growing, we're getting a perspective we didn't have before. And I just want to encourage you this morning. Don't, don't think that your Christianity, your walk with God, don't isolate yourself. Don't be on your own. That's going to kill you. That's going to kill God in you. You've got to be able to share that with somebody and someone else share it with you. And, and, and we gather together and, you know, we say a lot of times that, you know, circles are better than rows. Because in a circle, you can share how God is, what's God shared with you. And I can share what God has shared with me. And it's not this one-way communication, but it becomes a, 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 it becomes a community. It becomes a, a sharing experience. And it's a glorious, and it's a holy, and it's a profound thing. And I'm just not convinced, to be honest with you, that you can live an overcoming Christian life without it that's going to shape the world in which we live in, which is becoming a very interesting place where right is now wrong, where black is now white, where evil is now good. We, we, we're going to have to be brighter. We're, we're going to have to be clearer. We're going to have to be stronger. Or we are going to add to the darkness, folks. We can't add to the darkness. We've got to add to the light. I'm not having a go at anybody. I'm preaching to myself as much as anybody. Because I'm a human, I have the human frailties matched by you know, anybody in this room, as frail as anybody in this room. I recognize that. And I recognize I'm only one decision away from adding to the darkness. But it says I walk with my brothers, my sisters, and I share. That keeps me going. It keeps the Christ in me shining for those around about me. Respond to God and share what God is saying to you with others pretty easy, isn't it? Don't seek God. Respond to Him and share it. Respond to Him and share it. You want your own transformation? You want your own Mount Transfiguration experience? Respond to God, the God of all glory and humility and share it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you are here to meet us Lord in all of our 
foibles, all of our insecurities, all of our failures, all of our sin. Lord, that you still so crave to meet with us, that you knock on the door of our hearts, so longing to enter in, so longing to become part of our life. Father, I pray that everybody in this room by the end of this week will have particularly heard something directly from you, Lord, in such a way that, Father God, not only touches their life, but they'll be able to share it with somebody in their group, somebody in their life. They'll be able to share what you are saying to them. Lord, I pray that, that by, 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 uh, Lord, by Monday, by Tuesday, by Wednesday, Lord, I'll be able to share with somebody what you have said to me as I respond to your speaking to my life. Just where heads bowed and eyes are closed, I, I'm going to just um, uh, give you an opportunity to right now respond if God has spoken to you, yeah? And take the first step in this by sharing it with me, by sharing it with me. Maybe you're here this morning and you're living your life apart from God. You're not walking with God. God's not part of your, uh, not part of your daily thought processes. But you want that. You want to re- God's speaking to you and you say, I've got to respond. You don't have to seek Him. He's found you. What you have to do is respond to the voice of God. If you're here this morning and, and, and that, that's you and you say, yeah, I, I need to get my life right with God. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to stand in a moment. We're going to sing and pray for everybody. But I want to pray specifically for you. If that's you, just, just give me a wave and say, yeah, that's me. I'm going to pray for you uh, right where you are this morning. God bless you. Is anybody else here this morning? Just give me a wave and say, yeah, that's me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 